This next song we're going to be singing, we refer to as Seasons, because we say that word at one point in the song. Uh, It's one that Brian and I somewhat co-wrote. He does most of the writing. Uh, But the heart behind this next song, um, my husband Ryan and I are in the uh, process of adopting a baby through Adoption Ministry, which is founded in Puyallup. And uh, through that process, it's been a long process of getting to the point of, of adopting. Um, and the Lord has been so good and faithful and kind to bring our hearts to that point. Um, but now that we're gearing up to be ready to be picked by a birth mother, uh, which is a scary thing, on top of having a whole human that you're responsible for, um, we continue to find ourselves crying out to the Lord, God help us. Um, so it's in every season, in the season where we got married 10 years ago, in the season where we moved across the country, in the season where we, we began to struggle with infertility and, and wondering what the Lord had for us, and into the season of he has us back in the Northwest um, and getting ready to have a baby. So in all of that, um, finding that he is good and kind. Um, and so hear that as we sing this song, that that is um, the heart behind it. Is yours, Lord. 
Thanks, you guys. Love that song. I got the uh, the MP3 version on my computer. Was that you guys just like in a living room or something? That's awesome. One of them, I think she's like, is that the right rhythm or something? I love it. She's getting on you. It's so fun. So all I am is yours, all I am is yours. I kind of lost it there when they were singing that chorus, take my life that is, and let it be yours. That's just such the cry of my heart, <clears throat> and I hope it's your cry as well as a Christian. In fact, this morning, this morning is all about Jesus and having a relationship with God. This message, <laughs> I'm going to hit the same truth. Again and again and again, over and over and over. In fact, sometimes you can leave a message and you can say, well, that was good, right? You say, oh, that was good. But then if someone actually asks you, well, what was it about? You don't remember, right? Have you ever done that? Like, oh, church was so good. Well, what did he talk about? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> well, today is not going to be one of those days. In fact, I, I guess I pray that today won't be one of those days. I pray that the message this morning is clear, that the message sticks with you and that it goes with you for the rest of your life. But before we move on, let's bow our heads and pray. Lord Jesus, we do ask that you would take our lives and let it be yours. Not our will be done, but yours. That we would surrender in you, that we would trust in you, that we put our hope in you. And even as Kelly was talking, Lord, that we put our dreams and our visions for our lives back into your hands. And trust that you love us and that you're for us. I pray that that message would ring clear this morning. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. So as most of you know, I am a pastor. In fact, in case you didn't know, we don't talk about it a lot. I'm the senior pastor here at the church. So if you've been attending for a while, waiting for the senior pastor to come back. Sorry to break it to you. <laughs> He's not coming. <laughs> uh, I've been a pa- pastor for almost 10 years now. July, or actually June, will be my 10-year anniversary of when I started working at Life Center North in Spokane. And the reason I say that, in, in the 10 years of working at a church, I am now firmly entrenched in organized religion. 
I am a part of the system, so to speak. I make sure that we have programs and groups and meetings and potlucks and functions and all the leaders to run them. My world revolves around all sorts of really religious things. And to be honest, I don't shy away from those things. In fact, I see value in all of it. I I wouldn't be working in a church if I didn't. But as a pastor, when you get flooded with church culture, when your life becomes deeply Christianized, it's important not to lose your way and forget what it's all about. And this goes for all of us, by the way, that have been in church for a while, not just for pastors. So ask yourself this question, a good question to ask is, why am I doing this? Why do I go to church? Why am I here? Why do I attend that small group? Or why do I participate in that meeting or go to that program? Ask yourself these questions and wrestle with the answers, right? What is it all about? I challenge you to ask these questions because what happens to many of us is that we begin to get really good at this church thing, right? We get it down. We've learned the lingo. We've got the dress down. We play our part and we can actually get and be in danger of forgetting what being a Christian is all about. The more entrenched we get into this Christian culture, we can actually begin to allow the lesser things of the faith, I'd say, overshadow the greater things of the faith. Maybe you've heard this before, but majoring in the minors? Here's a litmus test, a simple question to ask yourself. Who or what is the most important part of your faith? Who or what is the most important or greatest part of your faith? The answer is simple. Who is it? Jesus. If I, if I cornered you one, one-on-one and I asked you that question, I think every one of us would have that answer. But if we're honest with ourselves, our, our thinking and, more importantly, our actions don't always line up with that answer. In church, any church, yes, including ours, you can lose track of Jesus. It sounds impossible. Like, what are you talking about? We can't lose track of Jesus. But it, it can happen. Think about it. There's lots to do in a church, isn't there? Plenty to do. Lots to be done. Recently, I spent, I had an entire day meeting with my, my pastor from Spokane, and I laid out my organization chart of LifeSpring, the, and the entire thing. And, and it's just incredible, really, how many volunteers are involved in making this thing go. And, and to me, uh, and what I like to do, and where some of my skill sets are, it's beautiful. It's a work of art. Um, I, I love organization charts. But you can get caught up. And just doing good things, trying really hard to have a positive effect in your community. But along the way, you forget about Jesus. Churches are always in danger. Listen to this. Churches are always in danger of just becoming a really high-quality, non-profit organization who does good and helps others. Compared to what we really are, which is the body of Christ. The body of Christ, where He is worshipped and adored. Where sinners are saved. Where people receive eternal life and are rescued from hell. It's one of the reasons we use the name of Jesus a lot in our services. I've told you, run away if we don't mention his name. Run away. That's when we've become a cult, or at least we've become prideful or arrogant and lost our way. And this happens in churches much more than I wish it did. I've seen it happen in churches. You've seen it happen. I've noticed it seems to happen. It's odd, but it seems to happen in churches where there's a lot of miracles and where you see a lot of wonders happen supernatural wonders. And you would think it would be the opposite. You'd think that in those types of churches you would worship Jesus even more. But what happens often with a move of God, it gets distorted, demented by our flesh and by our pride. We, we begin to focus more on the, on the miracles and on the healings than we do on Jesus, the one who actually performs the miracle or the healing. 
We exalt the minister or the pastor or the evangelist instead of exalting the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We find ourselves seeking and looking for angels instead of seeking and looking for Jesus. If you've been a Christian long enough, you've seen this before. And so life spring, what do we do? We continually refocus on Jesus. Here's the thing. You've said me say things like this all the time, and I hope I never stop saying these things, that he's our main priority, right? That we're a one-trick pony, <laughs> that Jesus is our one thing, that we are narrow-minded. We are fixated on Jesus. It's Jesus plus nothing. I say this what? All of our eggs are in what? One basket. It's Jesus. Last weekend during one of the services, I just said, Jesus, 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 Jesus. During second service, after the worship time was over, we just praised the name of Jesus. If you were here, second service was beautiful. We just worshiped him. We shouted to him. We adored him. We clapped. We lifted up our hands. We celebrated him. And it's so important to do these types of things because we're reminding ourselves of what it is all about. It's not about you. Sorry to break it to you. Church is not about you. It's not a self-help warehouse. It's a place of worship. A place of worship where we gather to worship, to exalt and glorify God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But I've been in church long enough to notice there's always a tendency, this is true as well, a tendency for individuals and churches to try to move on from Jesus. Right? Jesus, he's just kind of the elementary stuff of the faith. He's just entry level. I mean, yeah, you accept him as your Lord and your Savior. But then once you got this eternal life box checked off, right, that gets you into heaven, now you move on to the greater things. Yeah, the greater things, the real things of the faith. And this is when you begin to construct the system of rules and regulations and programs. You take a step back, you go, yeah, now we're having church. Now we're having church. But listen, life spring, there's no greater thing than Jesus. No greater thing. There's no higher ground than Jesus. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the last. Or the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He is the way, the truth, and the life. You don't move on past that. You don't get over that. Jesus is everything. I was saying this earlier in our leadership meeting. Without Him, none of this makes sense. This is foolishness without God. Not one thing we do, no meeting, no event, no service has any meaning or purpose outside of the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus is everything. Do you remember, by the way, what Jesus did for us? How soon we forget. But he brought us back into right relationship with the great I am, with the almighty God. God showed us love for us. You remember this verse that while we were sinners, he sent his son that Jesus Christ died for us. Jesus reminds us that God the Father, that God loves us, that he deeply loves us. In fact, you've all heard it said before. I want to put it up on the screen. It's kind of famous. You'll see it at the football games behind the end zone, behind the uprights. But it's John from what chapter? 3, what verse? 16. Say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. God's love on display. When you look at Jesus, you see God's love. The death and resurrection of Jesus, it shows us this intense desire on the part of our Heavenly Father to have a deep, intimate relationship with us. I love the last song that you sang on the Father's love. Listen to this passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Paul says this. He says, 
For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all. That those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God for our sake. He made him, Jesus Christ, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him, Jesus Christ, we might become the righteousness of God. There is some good news in the house this morning. Do you see how important Jesus is? How important he is. God so desired to have relationship with us again that he sent his son Jesus to die so that we would be reconciled back to him. That in Christ we are a new creation that we can have now intimate fellowship with God. You don't move past that. Church, may we never forget what Jesus has done for us. This morning I want to remind us of what it's all about. This might be a simple message, but it's an important message. I want to remind us what it means to be a Christian, what it means to follow Christ. First of all, the Christian faith is not about a bunch of rules and regulations. It's not about... A bunch of rules and regulations. That's what we like to make it about. As a pastor, I'm pretty good at that. But that's not what it is. It's about a loving God who loves the world, who loves you, who sent Jesus, the perfect Lamb of God, to be sacrificed so that we could be declared righteous as though we had never sinned, declared righteous before a holy God, reconciled back to Him. And with Jesus' blood washing our sins away, all of us as Christians, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we now have this ministry of reconciliation. Every one of us, we are now ambassadors for Christ. Did you know that? Did you know that you are an ambassador for Christ? That means you cannot sit on the sidelines any longer. You have been commissioned by God. You have been sworn in and you're being sent into the field. You are an ambassador for the name above all names. It's one of the main reasons we get to do what we get to do. That's why we are a church. It's to represent who? Jesus to the world. God decided by His Holy Spirit, to empower us, to send us into this world, to go into our families, into our workplace, into our schools, the grocery store, the barbershop, the coffee place, to tell the world about the love of God that was displayed on that cross. That's what it's all about. Now, all of these programs and these meetings and everything else we do, I love them. I do. I think they're great. It's my job to help create them, to nurture them, to resource them, and I love my job. But I'm not willing to die for a program. I'm not willing to die for an event, but I'm willing to die and give everything I am for my king and his message of love. And if you're a Christian here this morning, newsflash, you feel the same way. You do. More than anything in the world, you want to be known as someone who has a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. More than anything, your desire as a new creation is to shine the light of Jesus in this dark world. Did you know that? It's true. As a new creation, as a Christian here, Jesus is your identity. 
that's who you are more than being a pastor or a teacher or electrician or parent or child or whatever else you might be. You are a Christian. We are a people who have been reconciled back to God, who are now in a personal relationship with God all through the blood of Jesus. That's why church is all about Jesus. We stand amazed in his presence. We don't use church just as an opportunity to take up a seat, drink some coffee, follow a bunch of rules and regulations. No, we have the privilege to come and meet with the living God, to worship him and to give him praise and then go out and tell the world about him. Amen. Amen. Now, with all that being said, I've discovered that he has a few guidelines that he wants us to follow. In fact, if you've been attending LifeSpring over the past couple of months, we've been going through the book of James. Come on, James. <laughs> James has been dishing out the guidelines by the handful. Right there is instruction after instruction after instruction. And it's been awesome. I've loved it. Justin, you just told me last week. I love what Justin said. He goes, James, the book of James is Bible boot camp. I'm like, yes, that's exactly what it is. Because it's intense, right? It's intense. But it's getting us spiritually fit. It's working on our spiritual muscles. It's working on us. It's refining us. I don't know about you, but I've grown in the Lord the last couple of months. I have. I have grown. I hope you have as well. If you've not, just open up your heart. He wants to work on you this morning. Stop being so stubborn. But it's important to remember that these instructions from James... They come from a loving God whose purpose in giving them to us is to direct us, brothers and sisters in Christ, into his best for our life and to protect us from the consequences of living in sin. It's to encourage us to find the life that we are called to live in Christ Jesus. And for those of us who are walking with the Lord, I say this as well. Books like James and Romans and Ephesians and Timothy, they're exciting, right? You read them and they fire you up. They get you going because the word of God, it fans that flame that's already within you by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Scripture, it resonates, doesn't it? With your soul, within the deeper parts of who you are, the Scripture comes in and it resonates with your soul. You're like, yeah, and it strengthens your faith and you're like, yeah, and you want to be obedient to what God has called you to do. I love that about the Bible is new creations in Christ. We are being refined. We're being sculpted. We're being molded. We're being corrected by the word of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we are becoming more like Jesus Christ every day. We embrace the Bible. We're not afraid of it. We embrace it. That's who we are in our new nature. We love to hear from God. And we move out and we do what God's called us to do. Now, to be sure, maybe this is just me, but I have a feeling it's not. There's a couple of bumps in the road, aren't there, in this Christian life. Some of you, you would call your bumps more like a pothole, right? There's potholes in your life. Some of you'd say, forget a pothole, it's a crater. Right? I've had a couple of craters in my life. What happens? I'll tell you what happens. Our flesh gets in the way, doesn't it? Our flesh gets in the way of what God wants to do in our life. Much more than I want it to in my own life. Oh, God, help me. Right? I'm so sorry, God. But it gets in the way. The simple nature rears its ugly head. Now, no longer does it reside in our innermost being after salvation. Galatians 2.20 clears that up. It says that Jesus Christ has now taken up residence inside of us. It's Jesus Christ that lives in us. Hallelujah and amen. But it sure seems like sin is still hanging around, doesn't it? If you're moving and breathing this morning, you know that sin is still present. In fact, you see it lurking in your own flesh. 
Remember what Paul said. He said in Romans 7, 18, he says, nothing good dwells in his flesh. He wasn't saying that to me, like, Dan, nothing. He was saying about himself, nothing good dwells in my flesh. He's saying, as a Christian, still in our flesh, there is sin to be hanging out, right? And sin, what does it do? It gets us off course. With sin, we miss the mark. We get you to believe sin. I mean, I, I hate sin, by the way, but it gets you to believe the lies of the enemy. It gets you to live for the lesser things of this world. But remember, again, as a Christian, some of you need to hear this. Your innermost desire is to please God. With the temple of God residing within you, you long to spend time with him. You long to worship him and thank him for who he is and what he's doing in your life. Some of you need to be reminded of that this morning. That's who you are in your new nature as a Christian. But some of you, you've allowed sin to define you. The snapshots of your sin have defined you. But today, remember who you are in Christ. In fact, let Christ define you. And let me remind you of this as well. As one who is in Christ, you do not cower. As one who is in Christ, you do not run away. You do not hide from the word of God. Sometimes in our flesh, we're so afraid to open up that book, right? But as a Christian, you're not afraid of the Bible. You run to the Bible. You embrace the Word of God. You're not afraid of what it might have to say to you. No, as one who is in relationship with God, you read it. You cling to it. You study it. You learn from it. You allow it to change you because you know it all comes from a God who loves you. Who loves you very much. That it's a love letter from the very heart of God to you. Love letter. That brings up an interesting point. If there's one thing I've discovered over my years of being a pastor. It's that people, including you sitting here this morning. That you need to hear this over and over and over and over again. I need to hear it as well. It's that God loves you. God loves you. Some of you need to hear this this morning. God loves you. Yes, even you. He loves you. God loves you. Some of you are hearing this. You're not receiving it. God loves you. Yes, he loves you. Period. He loves you. He may not like everything you do, but he loves you. Listen to this from the Apostle Paul. I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Thank you, Lord. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Isn't that amazing? Nothing, even death itself, cannot separate you from the love of God. And remember, His love for you is not about what you've done for Him. It's about what He has done for you. Your works didn't get you into right relationship with God. Your works didn't get you saved. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself. Sorry to disappoint you, but it's not from yourself. It is actually what? It is a gift from God so that no one, including you, can boast. And as much as your works didn't get you saved, by the way, they don't keep you saved. Yes, I get it. He created good works for you to do. I talk about that all the time. We've been talking about it through James. Yes, your faith without works is dead. But listen, your good works don't cause God to love you any more than he already does. And your lack of good works don't cause him to love you any less than he already does. He loves you because that's who he is. First John 4, 8. God is love. He loves you. Period. Some of you need to receive this this morning. 
If you're a believer here this morning and you came in dejected, feeling like God is against you because of all the bad things that you've done, I'm here to tell you he is not against you. In fact, the Bible tells us that God is for you. Now, I do believe when you turn your back on the will of God for your life, when you don't do what he's called you to do, I believe it breaks the heart of God. It breaks the heart of God. You know why? Because he knows the consequences of not choosing him. But this is important to remember, too. It's out of his love for you that his heart breaks. It is a love response. Your sin does not affect his love for you. He loves you. He loves you even knowing what you did last night. He loves you knowing what you did earlier this week, what you looked at on the computer, what you said to your spouse, how you treated your kids. Even after all of that, he loves you. Jesus paid it all for your sin, all out of the love of God. He loves you. But often again, we're not convinced. We're not convinced. So as Christians, we can do this. I can do this. We kind of get caught up in trying to earn God's love. Have you ever done that? Earn God's love as if we're trying to make him proud, right? Got to make my father proud. If you've ever, if you've never had an earthly father who is proud of you, sometimes you take that hurt and that feeling of inadequacy into your relationship with God. And you believe that God kind of treats you the same way as your earthly father did, right? Never good enough. Always pointing out what you did wrong. Remember, your earthly father and your heavenly father, they are not the same person. God, God is not consumed by all the great things or lack of great things that you're doing for him. You don't have to try to impress him. You don't have to come before him and, and, and show him your report card. By the way, you know why you don't have to show him your report card? Because Jesus got straight A's. He did. Jesus got straight A's. When God sees you, who does he see? He says he sees Jesus because you are hidden in Christ, hidden with Christ. Out of Jesus, yeah, maybe you're in trouble. You probably are in trouble. But in Jesus, you're looking pretty good. We talked about in Ephesians, you're looking holy and blameless. In Christ Jesus. So as a Christian, you've got to stop trying to earn your way into God's favor. You are already loved by God. Instead, this is important. Let him love you. Let him love you. Receive his love and love him in return. I'd say this. Just give him your heart. It sounds so Christianese, but it's so true. Give him your heart. Even if you've been a Christian for a long time, give him your heart today. Give him your heart. He is interested in your heart. He is looking for a relationship with us, not someone just to do his chores or complete his to-do checklist. He is wanting a love relationship with you and with me. Give him your heart. Not just a one-time prayer that you prayed 20 years ago where you asked him to come into your life, but today, give him your heart. Give him your life. Let your walk with the Lord be an actual day-to-day experience experience where you give him your love and your affection every day of the week. In fact, I believe one of the things he just want to hear from us as his sons and as his daughters would be just, Lord, here's my heart. Here's my heart. I love you. Lord, thank you for all that you've done in my life. God, I'm so sorry for when I miss up. I'm so sorry for my sin, but I thank you for your forgiveness. God, I want to do right. God, would you humble me? God, would you discipline me? God, would you please help me? I need your help. And I want to be more like your son, Jesus Christ, every day. I love you so much. I love you. That is a prayer. And that's much more important. That's a bigger prayer. That's a bigger reality even than just praying that prayer one day 20 years ago where he said, Jesus, I want to go to heaven and not go to hell. That's a relationship. And that's what God desires from us. In fact, just on the subject of prayer, when we pray, many of us, we don't pray that way, right? We don't tell God what we need. We don't share how we really feel because every time that we approach him, we just feel like, One big failure, just a loser taking up oxygen. 
So we don't even think we have the right to ask him for anything. Why would God even listen to me? And if that's the way you came in thinking this morning, then listen up on your own. Maybe you don't deserve to approach God outside of Jesus. Probably the only thing that you are in a position to ask for is God's mercy. But again, Jesus made a way for you. The opportunity to pray to God, it's not about you. It's about God and his love. It's about Jesus. Jesus made a way to the Father. You now have a relationship with him through Jesus and the work he did on the cross. Accept what he did for you and pray to God. Christian, it's one of your rights as being a Christian, as being in relationship with God, is that you get to talk with God. So many of us are anemic in our conversation with God. But it is your right as a Christian to talk to God. Jesus made a way for you to talk with God. Listen to this. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. I want to read the message version. It says this. Now that we have what we have, which is Jesus, this great high priest with ready access to God, let's not let it slip through our fingers. I love that. We don't have a high priest who is out of touch with our reality. He's been through weakness and testing, experienced it all, all but the sin. So let's walk right up to him. Get what he is so ready to give. Take the mercy, accept the help. I love that. Jesus did it. Now take the mercy, accept the help. Take it, accept it. Jesus made a way where there seemed to be no way. Now you take it and you accept it. We talked a couple of weeks ago. What did I, say? I was talking about prayer and I said pray about everything. Some of you, that just sounds so exhausting. But pray about everything. If you're sitting here this morning, you want to grow in your relationship with God, just begin to pray over everything and anything. Allow Him to be involved in every aspect of your day. Open up the details of your life to him. For some reason, we think we only want to talk to God about the big things. You know, give me a million dollars or whatever it might be. But God is actually very concerned and very interested in the details of our life. And by the way, prayer is not a one-way street. Did you know that God actually wants to speak back to you? Some of us, we just blabber and blabber and then say amen and go do whatever we do after we pray. What do we do after we pray? Probably go and sin, huh? But we pray. And do you know, he responds. He responds by his holy word. He responds by his holy scriptures. He responds by his truth recorded in that book. And he responds by the leadings and the promptings of the Holy Spirit. So give him your heart. Give him your heart. Through Jesus, approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Pour out your love before him. Receive that grace, receive that mercy that he wants to give you all out of his love. Christianity, it's much more about relationship than we realize. It's to know God and be known by God. I love that. To know God and to be known by God. That through Jesus we can approach him, have fellowship with him. It's about a relationship, but let me add this. (laughs) Don't ruin this reconciliation back to God, this relationship, by now creating a bunch of rules and regulations. That need to be followed to be a true follower of Christ. It's so tempting, but don't do it. The Bible tells us that it is for freedom that Jesus set us free. We just sang about it. It's for freedom. He set us free so that we could be, what? Free. Talk about redundancy. He set us free so that we could be free. Paul in Galatians He says, don't use your freedom to indulge in the sinful nature. Rather, use it to serve one another in love. You are free to live. You are free to love. Christ died to give you abundant life so that you might have eternal life. The angel, I love what the angel said before Jesus' birth. He said that Jesus came to bring great joy 
for all the people. This is Jesus. Jesus came to bring you freedom. Jesus came to give you life. Jesus brought joy with him. But we decide that's not enough. So we begin to impose a new form of the law on our brothers and sisters in Christ. We don't call it the law because law sounds like maybe something that we wouldn't want to do in the church. So then we just kind of call it different things. Right? Read your Bible every day. Pray every day. Ooh, I'm going into it now. Journal every day. You got to tithe. Go to church. Wear nice clothes when you go to church. Join a life group. Don't swear. Don't drink. Don't chew. All of a sudden, we have this checklist, right? This checklist of what it means to be a real Christian, to be the best of the best, to make the A list, to get your name on the back of the pew enshrined on the communion table. This list of rules. Some of you, you might be scratching your head. You're thinking, I thought that's what Christianity was. Isn't that what Christianity is? But those things are not what Christianity is about. Christianity is about Jesus. Christianity is about being adopted into God's family, being called his sons and his daughters, being in communion, in relationship with God because of the love of God. It's not about rules. It's about relationship. I'm going to say that again. It's not about rules. It's about relationship. And then... Dot, dot, dot. And then, dot, dot, dot. Out of a foundation of relationship, from a foundation of love, that God loves us and that we love him as a response to this amazing truth, we give him our best. Right? Out of our gratitude, out of our thankfulness for all that he has done for us, we spend our lives for him. We don't, and and by the way, this might challenge you. That means you don't just spend time with him on Sunday mornings. When you're with him, man, I got God on my side. He is for me, not against me. Whoo, God is with me. I am walking with the Lord because of Jesus Christ. I have a relationship with God. When you have that settled, Sunday morning just feels a little bit like it's just not quite enough, right? You know what I'm talking about? If you're just a Sunday, Sunday morning, what? Sunday morning, Sunday morning is the cherry on top. Sunday morning is just an opportunity for it to come back together and testify of what Jesus Christ has done. No, we spend every day with him and we read our Bibles and we pray and we journal and we freely give. We tithe. We get involved in church. We become part of a life group. We serve the poor. We take care of the widow all as a love response flowing from a relationship that we already have in him with him. In fact, for some of us, our love response might even involve us wearing a nice shirt to church. But you don't do those things to get in the right relationship with God, but you do them as a result of the relationship that you already have. In my marriage, I don't do the dishes or pick up the living room or buy Mary flowers trying to get into favor with her to earn Mary's love for me, to get her to stay with me. Though sadly, that's how a lot of marriages operate. No, I do them because we already love each other. We're in love with each other. It's a response to a relationship that we already have. It's not to earn love. It's a result of love. I want to say that again. It's not to earn love. It's a result of love. It's the same with, way with God. Who we are, what we say and do, it all flows from a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. But yet, in many people who claim to be a Christian, that's not what their life looks like at all. Nothing seems to flow from their relationship with God. They say they have a relationship, but no one would be able to tell. Have you ever met a Christian like that? I have. In fact, it's hard to decipher if there's even been any change in their heart. 
any change in their attitude, any change in their values, any change in their priorities. They look the same, same, they talk the same, they walk the same, they hate the same, they gossip the same, don't pray, don't worship, don't read their Bibles. And yet they try to tell me they have a relationship with God. And it is hard because I can get pretty judgmental with these kind of people. And who am I to judge? That's a scary place to be. But in my head, these are the things I'm thinking. These are the things I'm thinking. If that's what you think a real love relationship looks like, then God help your spouse or your future spouse. If that's what you think a love relationship looks like, then God help your spouse or your future spouse. Because you're just anemic in your relationship with God. You can't even have a relationship with a God who loves you even while you were a sinner, that he died for you. How are you going to love anybody else if you can't love him? And I get there's a lot of reasons why this happens. Physical reasons, emotional reasons, painful reasons why people don't follow hard after God. One of the main reasons I found is simply this. As human beings, we are not convinced that the Almighty loves us. He probably exists, but we doubt He loves us. And because of this doubt concerning His love, we distance ourselves from fully yielding our lives to His Spirit. We don't go in. We don't dive into relationship because we have this lack of trust. Why would I surrender my life, my will, my wants, my desires, my dreams, my hopes? To a God that I'm not even fully convinced truly loves me. We don't trust him. We don't have faith in his promises. We don't believe that he's for us and not against us. So we put up this wall. We stay resistant to change. Resistant to the good works that he wants to do in our lives. All because we don't believe that he loves us. It's almost a guarantee that there are many of you in this room that feel exactly this way. You don't feel like God loves you. And if that's you this morning, I'm so glad that you are here. We got some good news for you. Because he actually loves you very much. His love for you, it's not a side issue in the Bible. It's not one of those minor issues. God's love, it's the theme of the book. God is love. The Bible is chock full of verses about the love of God. I, I want to just share a few of them with you this morning. First John 4, 9-10. through 10, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Romans 5.8 But God showed His love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Galatians 2.20 In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. We already said this one, but I want to say it again. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. I hope you caught the theme in those verses. It's the love of God. But it's more even specific than that. It's the love of God displayed through who? Through Jesus. Through the person of Jesus Christ. In the love, in the life and the death of Jesus, we see the love of God on display. This world has a sin problem. Some of you don't like that word. It's a three-letter swear word. But there is a sin problem. It is a sin-sick world. And on our own, we have a sin problem because God is perfect, holy, set apart, and we cannot have a relationship with God on our own. His perfection cannot tolerate my sin. In fact, there must be a punishment for my sin. But God loves me. God loves us. 
And He wanted us to be reconciled back to Him. So even though we sinned and we were separated from God, He wanted to win me back from sin. I love that about God. He wanted to win me back from sin. Sin, by the way, is much more serious than you'd like to acknowledge. See, sin, in our sin, we were dead in our sins. That's what the Word of God says. Dead in our sins. Again, some of you just don't like the way that feels or sounds. But you were dead, 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 dead in your sins. But... In Ephesians chapter 2, 4 and 5, it says, But because of his, what? His great love. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. This is good news. We were dead in our sins, but because of God's great love for us, he made a way for us to be made alive with Christ. And a few weeks, you know what's coming up in a couple of weeks? Easter. And we're going to be celebrating not just his death, but his resurrection. And he is alive. I love that he is alive. Three days after that crucifixion, as terrible as that seemed. Oh, did you look at the grave? Did you see that the tomb and the stone have been rolled away? That he is not there because why? He is alive. You know what that means for our sins? Not only are my sins forgiven, but they are forgiven forever. Death has been beaten. And through my faith and belief in Jesus' death and resurrection, I now have the assurance of eternal life. He is alive. I'm alive. Hallelujah. It's actually why I cannot wait for Easter. It's like I said before, it's my favorite day of the year. It reminds me of what church is all about. What being a Christian is all about. It's Jesus. It's God's love on display through Jesus. You want to know the love of God? Get to know Jesus. You want to experience a real relationship with the Heavenly Father? Get to know Jesus. And as you grow in this relationship with God through Jesus, I pray that faith will begin to rise up. Rise up within you. That you'd be able to stand on some of the amazing truths that are found in the Word of God. That you'd be able to hold on to the Word of God. That you'd be able to trust it. Trust in Him. Have confidence in it. Have confidence in Him. This past week, two great men passed away. My dad's brother, my uncle Wilton, passed away two days ago. And Pastor Randy's brother, Dan, passed away. But I know both of these men, they have a relationship with God. They stood upon the Word of God while they were on this earth. They trusted in a God who loves them. God wants the same for you this morning. He does. He, he loves you so much, but he, he wants, he can't force you. <laughs> but he wants you to receive his word, to receive it, to accept it, to allow his love letter to penetrate your heart, to allow it to change you and to transform you just like it did for these two amazing men. God loves you. Did you know that God cares about what you're going through today? Did you know that? That's a hard one for me sometimes. But he does. He's not aloof. He's not distant. First Peter 5, 7 says, give all your carries and worries and cares to God for he cares about you. What an amazing comfort to know that the creator of the universe, of the cosmos, he actually cares about you. He cares about your worries, cares about your needs. When you're stressed out and anxious, you ever get stressed out and anxious? I do. Oh, my goodness. When you don't know what to do, you can hold on to promises like Philippians 4, 5 through 7. The beginning of it says the Lord is near. I love that. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. It will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The, the peace of God that is beyond our comprehension, so beyond what we can even imagine, it will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Anyone else need the peace of God to guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus? I know I do. 
Did you know when you're lacking that he wants to supply all your needs? Philippians 4.19 says, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. When you're weak, you can remember Isaiah 40.29. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. When you're hurting, when you're in pain, you can run to the Psalms like Randy ran to the Psalms. I love that. So many Psalms bring comfort to those who are hurting. Psalm 18.2, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Psalm 91, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High, he will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Did you know when you're tempted, you can remember Hebrews 2.18, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Hallelujah. And 1 Corinthians 10.13, I had this one pinned to my corkboard in college, because don't you know it's hard to be a guy and be in college and be in this world today. But there it is, up on there, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, praise the Lord. Lord, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Hallelujah, right? Come on. And those scriptures, they just scratch the surface of how much God loves you. He's that good. He's that amazing. Our God is incredible. We serve an awesome God. But I could blabber for hours, and yet still it's up to you to receive. To receive the word. He's not going to force it on you. You have to receive his word. Receive his love. And this is all important because as a pastor, I see people in this church and other churches. I, I see people, good people. I'm good people. Serving, doing good things, great things for God. But the things they're doing, as good as they are, I've observed that they don't. And again, who am I? To, I don't know for sure, but it seems to me that they don't flow from relationship with God. Their service doesn't flow from a love relationship with God. And because you truly aren't in a love relationship, you're serving in your church or serving anywhere else. It's just become an attempt, again, to earn favor with God, to earn his love. But God would say this morning, stop. Stop. You're already loved. Before you ever do a single thing for him. You are loved. You are covered by his grace. It's not a performance-based relationship. Again, I think a lot of you, just in the natural, with the close people around you, sadly, you are in a performance-based relationship. But that's not true relationship. You're in a love relationship. A grace-based relationship. You know, you were saved by grace when you were a sinner. You're still saved by grace as a saint. You aren't saved by your works. You're saved by grace through faith in Jesus. You don't serve to get in the right relationship with God. Look at me, God. Look at me. Love me. No. Let the service that you do, let your life, the things that you say and do, let them flow from the fact that you are already loved. That God, the Father, loves you. You are in right relationship with God. Do you believe that this morning? That you are declared righteous as though you had never sinned. Not because of what you did, but because of what Jesus did on that cross. And receive his love. Some of you need to hear this this morning. Brother and sister in Christ, you are loved by God. And because of this good news, fall in love with him again this morning. I know it's a simple message, but it's so important. It will, it will change the rest of your life if you trust him. If you give your heart to him, if you ask him, God, just rekindle the fire that once burned bright. 
Right? Just fan the flame once again. That we would return to our first love. That we would once again truly depend upon Him. Talk to Him. Trust Him. And worship Him. I'm going to ask Brian and, and Kelly to come back up. And they're going to sing the song. It's a beautiful song, actually. It's all about Jesus and trusting Him to be all that we need. But for any of you who have gotten off track and who've forgotten your first love, and, and I've, I've been through that before, for those of us that need to be reminded of all that Jesus has done for us and all that He is for us, to remember that He loves us, that He wants to have a real relationship with us, use this song. I, I pray that this song would be an opportunity for you to speak to the Lord. Like we were talking about earlier, that you would speak to the Lord and allow Him to speak to you. That you'd turn back to Him. Just be honest. Stop fighting. Just say, God, I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry that I've allowed my fears and my anxiety and my, wor- and my, my worries, just the things of life, to get in the way of this love relationship with you, God. Tell Him that you love Him. Tell Him that you want to trust Him. Tell Him that you want to spend the rest of your life with Him. If you aren't a Christian... This is a great opportunity for you just to talk to God. Say, Jesus, I want you to be in my heart. Ask him for forgiveness for your sins. Repent of your sins. He is faithful to forgive you of your sins. Tell him that you believe in him. Tell him that you want him to be your Lord and Savior. Tell him that you want to have a relationship with him. And for all of us, let's just use this time. Let's hear from the Lord. Let's hear from the Lord. Receive his presence. Receive his love. Accept what he wants to do for us. For all eternity. God, speak to us.
your heads with me um, just as they were singing that song I there are a few of you in this room I don't know how many and I, this, you might have been a Christian your whole life but today the Lord is speaking to you that he wants a relationship with you not just a checkbox to get into heaven Not just a get-out-of-hell-free car, but a love relationship with you. And I'm not smart enough to know all the reasons why you've fought God in this. But I am smart enough to know that God loves you. And with your heads bowed, if if that's you today, if, if you want to receive His love again this morning and 
and, and begin this relationship anew. I, I'm not talking about issues of salvation. I'm talking about issues of life, of abundant life, of joy, of freedom. If that's you this morning, would you just raise your hand so that I can acknowledge you and beauty? I see you, brother. Absolutely. I see you, brother. Yes. Amen. Yes. I see you, sister. Yes. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So, God, you see their hearts. And you don't play around with our hearts. When you see a heart that's for you, you take it seriously. This is a serious issue to you, God. You are not flippant with our lives. You care for them so much that you sent your son to die for them. So as you see these hearts, these lives that are saying, God, I want to be in love relationship with you. God, I want to every day, every moment, from the morning till I go to sleep, every breathing moment with you, Jesus, in the beauty of relationship with you, God. As you see their hearts, Lord, I pray that you would not be flippant with them. You'd come down in your love, Lord, by your Holy Spirit and speak to them, God. Speak to them your hope, your vision, your dreams. God, speak your passion. God, speak your will. God, speak your destiny once again in their lives. I pray that they would just have an opportunity, even right now, to come back to their first love. Not even another moment without full and complete surrender to you, God. We love you, God. We thank you for your grace that allows us to even do this. I love that there is no record of wrongs as far as that we have to do a bunch of good works to try to level out all the bad things that we've done. That's such a silly game to play. And we don't have to play that game. Jesus, you've washed us white as snow. As far as the east is from the west, that's how far our transgressions have been removed from us. So we can stand this morning by the grace of God. Ah, hallelujah. And I pray that tomorrow for everyone, even those that didn't raise their hands, Lord, that we'd be humble, Lord, that we'd walk in humility, but we'd also walk with eyes and ears open to you, that we'd stop just putting in the side of our spiritual fanny pack, so to speak. We'd stop making you just a part of our lives, but we would actually die and make you everything. I just pray that over even those that aren't able to receive this message this morning, I just pray you continue to pursue and pursue and pursue and pursue. And that there will be a day, Lord, when they yield to you, God, and yield to your love and truly live where they no longer live, but it's Christ in them, the hope of glory that lives. I'm looking forward to that day for everyone in this room. And what a difference we could make in this community where we start to just live in reckless abandon out of a love relationship with you, God. Just full of love for you. Where even as this world hits us and spits on us and beats us up, we would know we are loved by the Almighty. That there's nothing that could separate us from the love of God found in Christ Jesus. And I pray for that boldness just to rise up in this church, Lord. A boldness that doesn't try to get to heaven, but a boldness that is a celebration because we already have eternal life in you, Jesus Christ. We thank you for that, God. Thank you, Jesus. In your wonderful name, in your glorious name we pray. Amen.